You're listening to a 1FM podcast. Good old Collingwood forever. They know how to play the game. Side by side we stick together to uphold the magpie's name. See the barrackers are shouting as all barrackers should. Ships a cakewalk for the good old Collingwood. Good old Collingwood forever. They know how to play the game. Side by side, we stick to. Brisbane Lions, the AFL Grand Final is upon us tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. This is the AFL opening bounce, a very special Grand Final edition tonight. And uh, at this point in time, it's just me, J-Dub, uh, in the chair, uh, Sydney the Bridge Aspland, hopefully not too far away. Uh, the stats man, g'day to you. He's off to Mooney Valley tonight, a very special uh, invitation on this public holiday and deservedly so after all of the hard work put in for the year. And, of course, Jason Aspland is up north at the moment uh, representing Victoria as uh, an old fella playing footy. No, in the (laughs) over-45s competition with the uh, brand-new hairdo to boot as well. And he will be on the line for us in not too far away. But it's an opportunity for me to say a huge thank you 
to BP North Shepparton, uh, to Joey DeConza and family. G'day, Joey. Hope you are well. And thank you so very much for your ongoing support of this program and our radio station, uh, not just through the football season, but all year round. Unfortunately, your D's missed out this year. Uh, the stars didn't align. However, you're still very, very much in the window. Plenty of upside for Melbourne supporters in 2024. Going to be an interesting period, isn't it, for all of the sides that didn't make it over the next period of time. Of course, uh, trade rumours already going around like crazy and spreading like wildfire. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, whether you're a Richmond or a Hawthorne or a Carlton or a Geelong fan, you've got your eyes on your prize. Maybe you're a North Melbourne supporter and you're looking forward to the priority picks that will be sent North Melbourne's way by the looks of things. Uh, controversial, some might say. Perhaps not in others' views and maybe deservedly so. I'm in that camp. I believe that they're more than welcome to support off the back of what they have endured over the last, well, almost decade now. It's been uh, pretty tough times in the North Melbourne Football Club. And uh, our mate, uh, Harley Reid, one of him special, we like to claim him as our own. We've uh, conducted a couple of interviews with him across the year. G'day to the one of him broadcast crew. If they're tuned in this evening across the season, we've had uh, a couple of our boundary riders run into Harley Reid, who's um, supported... Uh, local country football, saw him at the KDL Grand Final there a couple of weeks ago to support Lancaster, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, throughout the regular season as well to some KDL games over at Gigari, fantastic to see Harley Reid supporting grassroots country football. Will go number one, you would think, uh, when that happens. But uh, obviously we've got the trade week to get through before any of the national draft occurs. The AFL Grand Final, of course, will be broadcast right here on 1FM with thanks to the AFL Indigenous Broadcast. We'll bring you that live tomorrow afternoon and, of course, a huge weekend last weekend of uh, local football Grand Finals as well covered. Congratulations to Ichuka and congratulations also to Lancaster uh, in the KDL, the two leagues that we cover, and also Ichuka uh, in the netball. Five premierships at Ichuka last week would have been huge up on the port of the Murray, and I'm sure that uh, celebrations do continue uh, through the week. But anyone that's celebrating at the moment, you're going to have a drink, please don't drive. Obviously, uh, being a public holiday uh, anytime, Never drink drive. It is just completely the wrong thing to do for extremely obvious reasons. But just a little bit of a reminder there. Please do, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe on the roads over this long weekend and enjoy Grand Final Day responsibly. From EJ Dub, I'm about to just head across to a short sponsors break at the top of that. I will have Jason Asplan. We're going to talk the week that was, and we're going to have a look at some of the key points, obviously uh, some big talking points out of last week's game. Collingwood only just by the slenderest of margins over the GWS. It was more destiny for Collingwood, wasn't it? Uh, very unlucky, the GWS. There was some real talking points to come out of that game, as well as, of course, the Brownlow medalist in Lockie Neal. That conversation has continued to roll across 
the week. It'll be interesting to get the thoughts of the boys on our Brownlow medalist. Now, dual Brownlow medalist and playing in tomorrow's grand final, Lockie Neal. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, did you uh, raise your eyebrows at some of the votes? Were you following them on your AFL app through the statistics and looking at the fantasy points and scratching your head like uh, some footy pundits were across the nation? Or were you sitting there just uh, comfortably saying, I got him at 13s or 14s that very, very morning? If you did that, you did it responsibly. And you are a very, very happy person come about 10.30 Monday night. Uh, a few people whinge about how the AFL does the actual Brownlow presentation. And I just cannot doubt that the night drags on. Well, it's a one-off event for the whole year. And I think the things that the AFL does in the community outside of the game are really important to highlight uh, to people, and in particular, um, some of the charitable work that, as you saw, uh, Sam Doherty uh, took the award this year, um, but just for the work that he had been doing uh, with Peter McCallum Cancer Research Institute, and he's ended up taking up um, a bit of a senior role there. Um, just amazing. Like, I don't know if you heard Sam Doherty and um, his talk but uh, it was hard not to, um, yeah, choke up actually listening to him, just the emotion and what he'd been through. And so things like that, I'm, I'm actually more than comfortable with uh, on the Brownlow medal night as a lead-in to tomorrow, the AFL Grand Final. Of course, the Grand Final Parade this morning, absolute mayhem in Melbourne. Well, I've just actually uh, arrived back from um, just in the nick of time, uh, but absolute uh, pandemonium down there, but uh, all celebrations went well with no trouble. And many of the Collingwood supporters and Brisbane, for that matter, a lot of old Fitzroy supporters still here. Uh, many, many Brisbane supporters uh, even here in the Goulburn Valley off the back of the Fitzroy Football Club. Got an interesting question actually to answer uh, or to ask, I should say, uh, Jason Aspland when I speak to him about the Fitzroy Premierships. Uh, and whether or not they should be counted uh, in Brisbane's um, total count of flags that they've actually won. Some people think absolutely they should be, and then there's others that don't, including, looks like the AFL um, don't accredit those. So should they be accredited to Brisbane or not? That'll be an interesting one to ponder. I should also take this opportunity to say a huge hello to Rodney. G'day, Rod who listens into the program every single Friday night. He loves the stats, man. Bailed me up just earlier on at Safeway and said that he'll be tuned in at 5.30. And so to you, Rod, and all the listeners out there that tune in to the AFL opening bounce every single Friday night, thank you so very much for your support over, well, gee, I'll tell you what, it feels like an eternity now. We've been doing this program. I think it's been going for about 12, maybe even 15 years now. So uh, blokes like yourself, Rodney, is a reason why we do what we do week in, week out. And uh, I will say g'day to the stats man for you, um, who's, uh, well, potentially coming over to watch the granny at my joint tomorrow. So uh, he has been invited. I don't know how he'll pull up after tonight's effort or even if he'll make it back to the Golden Valley tonight. I hope he does. He's on air tomorrow morning. So, um, but uh, to the stats, man, uh, please do enjoy your night. Let's stop the jibber-jabber and get Jason Aspland on the line.
And thank you once again to our great sponsors. We'll be back right after this. Huge thank you also to Ralph Whitehead for his program. No, not you, Siri. You don't need to chime in here. Sorry about that. I should have my digital devices switched off. All this voice recognition and stuff these days just activating willy-nilly. Gee, it gets annoying sometimes, doesn't it? My car just would not shut up on the way back from Melbourne. Oh, I don't know how to turn it off. Anyway, uh, time to turn me off for a sec. We'll go to a break. We'll be back with the man himself, Junior Q-Ball, Jason Asplan, the legend. We'll be back to talk to him from sunny Queensland in not too far away. Huge thank you once again to Ralph for his program. Pat and Tina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. One of them sponsor. Having trouble with your internet? Has the NBN failed you? Are you only able to get the slow satellite MBN with very limited data? Are you not able to get the MBN at all? Starlink is the answer. This is a standalone internet system that I personally use at home and have tested at speeds of over 250 megabytes a second. If you are fed up with slow, unreliable internet, then call us now and book a service call to see if Starlink is right for you. Jason's TV, 0403 688 1FM sponsor. Uh, he's been a great sponsor on 1FM Live and Local for many, many years, almost 20, actually. Uh, we go back as far as now with Jason's TV. And, uh, well, more importantly, from a 1FM point of view, uh, a great sponsor of our station, huge supporter. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, wouldn't know where to start to let the listeners know what he has uh, done for this organisation over a journey of time. But anyway, that's a story for another day. So to you, Jason, hopefully uh, I've got this right. It's been a while since I've actually been in the chair to do a phone patch. Are you there, mate? I am here, Jace. I am here. Fantastic. I reckon I've done this correctly. You'd hope so when I've trained the amount of people that I I have. I was sitting there and... (laughs) In the silence, waiting for it to happen, think Johnny Painter has me been able to listen to the radio. I thought, oh, I wonder if the J-Dub's up to it. But no, he was good, as good as a Hawthorne goal. That's it, mate. That's it. I have uh, delivered. Jace, before we get stuck into AFL Grand Final, look, congratulations on a great year of the AFL opening bounce. Always entertaining on a Friday night. Thank you so very much for the program this year. You're up in Queensland, mate. Tell us what you're doing. Uh, at the moment, I've not long got to my mum's house, um, staying with her for a couple of days before all the footy guys get up here, and we're, yeah, about to play football for country Victoria. That's pretty cool. So what's what's the deal been? I know that there was a little bit of uh, soreness in the leg, potential uh, little yes. hairline fracture there. How's that been travelling leading uh, in? Look, I'm still not really sure exactly what I have done to my leg, but I think the safest way is to not find out and strap it up <laughs> and go and play and then worry about it next week. That's what I've decided. Uh, it's a little <laughs> but, bit... No, it's, it's definitely got better. Um, just I was running on the hard ground at good old Wood End a couple of weeks ago and I don't think they have sprinklers there I think Wood End normally gets about four feet of rain every year and they never have to water the ground and we've had a bit of a dry last month or so and the ground was pretty rock hard and the poor old, old legs didn't come up as good as I expected 
Yeah, she was uh, a real uh, fast track with a lot of uh, sting in the deck, mate. So uh, hopefully uh, you're all good then if it's it's not too sore. And uh, best of luck. But when do you actually play? When what, What's uh, what's the format? Is it like a lightning we, premiership? No, it's a one-week, full one-week tournament. So it starts Sunday. Tomorrow we've got a captain's run as a final training session. So I'll get to go and see what the ground's like and... And it will be an interesting... I'm really interested to see what the ground's like because there's three grounds, there's 180 teams, all got to play three games each. So wow. the, the grounds are going to have nearly 30 games of football played on them inside seven days. Yeah, OK. And what's the weather like up north at the minute? Uh, it's about 28 degrees. When I got up here, it's cooled off a little. So it's going to be a warm week by the look of it. And our first game on Sunday is at 5 o'clock your time because good old daylight savings kicks in. And we play Northern Territory in that first game. So the heat's not going to bother them much. No, you wouldn't have thought so. But no, And the chunk of our team is Ballarat and Gisborne and <laughs> guys that live in near enough to the snow. Yes. So <laughs> I would much rather have played Tasmania, I think, that are used to the cold weather and have been a fair challenge. But... And then the second game is on Wednesday, I think it is, and that is against the Queensland team. So we've got the two teams that can handle the weather. Uh, and if you then from that, they decide your order, who's top first two go into the grand final on Saturday, and everybody else plays off for their end-up position on the Friday. Congratulations to the City of Greater Shepparton and AFL Goulburn Murray here in our region, Jace have just hosted the V-Line Cup and some of those uh, young under-16s pathway players will uh, eventually find themselves on the biggest, biggest stage. So it's great that we're able to um, host that event. It seems to have been um, fairly regular, uh, sort of just before COVID and just after. So um, very successfully run. The AFL are really making some good good work across all age groups. I think you know we're on the show. We do tend to pot the AFL every now and again, just a little bit, Jace. Just a little bit, yeah. For things <laughs> and deservedly so on many occasions, yes. But at the same time, we've got where we've just finished a football season across Victoria that's got a massive amount of people that have played. We're now looking at AFL National Carnival. There's 180 teams that have made it from across the area. So that's this. 1,700 people over 35, between 35 and 70, that are coming up here to play football. That's pretty cool. And that will be an interesting experience. So I've already met quite a lot of different people. I'm meeting people from all over the towns. It's, it's a, for someone who's not a superstar like all you guys that played state football and all these things, that's a different experience that is, is really good, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Jace, uh, Sydney, the bridge Aspland has graced us with his presence, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, I don't mean to be rude, and, and you know I'm generally uh, a pretty sort of a polite sort of a fella, uh, but I'm sitting with my back to Dad at the moment because uh, I'm actually using a, a guest headset to uh, patch you in is because I can't actually find the uh, connector to the headphones at the moment. So, uh, g'day, Bridges, and I, I must apologise, but don't worry, it will be a little bit more intimate after the 6 o'clock news. Well, uh, Jace, how are you going? I'm very good and very good. Good. Okay. You're, now, I know that you've got a big week ahead. But what are your thoughts on the big game tomorrow? Well, 
tomorrow, we'll get to tomorrow in a little bit. Um, we'll, I thought we might talk a little bit about the, the games that just happened, the two big games from last weekend. To, first, I thought maybe you guys would want to hear my two cents on that as we can go into that before we get to tomorrow, because I guess that leads us to tomorrow. 100%, mate. Uh, two sides that have... Uh well, being the last one standing in Collingwood and Brisbane, the two best sides of the year in terms of ladder position. Of course, Collingwood finishing a game clear on top of the ladder over Brisbane. And Brisbane uh, tied with Port Adelaide in, well, second position, but were better uh, percentage-wise. And that has ultimately worked in their f- favour, obviously, with the two games at the Gabba should we call it the Gabatois? Have not lost there all year. You don't win premierships at the Gabba, though. So uh, you do. You're just not this year. Well, no. Yes, good point. You good do point. win premierships yes. at the Gabba. Richmond. Premiership. Absolutely. No, no, no. I stand corrected there. Good get, Jace. Good, good get. Uh, and then, of course, uh, both Port Adelaide, interestingly enough, and Melbourne uh, finishing third and fourth, two sides of the double chance, both out in straight sets. Carlton what was your was view one... on that, Jace? You, you weren't here last week yeah. when we, we broke that down of the losses. What was your view on those two powerhouses not being able to make it through and the, the lower lower eight clubs making it through? Yeah, look, I mean, momentum's everything, isn't it? And, uh, you know, Port Adelaide, both Port Adelaide and Melbourne just sort of limped in and just didn't really feel that they were threatening as much as they could. You're waiting for things to click for Melbourne. And, I mean, in both games that they've lost, they've had more scoring shots and just quite simply kicked themselves out of it. I mean, Melbourne have got absolutely no one to blame but themselves, uh, in my humble opinion. Um, and I've you know, spoken to many of their supporters across the last sort of couple of weeks and they you know, completely agree with that, just the injuries, their forward line woes. Uh, you can't win premierships. Uh, without, you know, our key forward. You know, Van Ruin, I mean, God bless the fella, but uh, with all due respect, he's been a real excitement machine, but he, he's certainly not the answer to Melbourne's forward woes. Would you agree with that, Jason, Sydney? Well, you, you, what do you think, Dad? Look, I actually think he's going to be fine, but he's a kid. You know, he's, he's played, what, 15 games maybe? And as a consequence, you can't rely on him to be your key forward. The fact is that Melbourne had it on a plate. Both games, they could have won easily. And the disconnection between their back line, their midfield, who just don't talk to their forwards. Now, the only way Melbourne are going to fix this is by going out and buying um, a couple of really key forwards, all generating more youth through. But youth takes time. Why didn't they play Grundy? I couldn't understand that. He'd done nothing forward for them all year. So... And you can't rely on Big Max Gorn to kick your goals. I think with Grundy, they put him in the VFL to see if he could be a forward, and he couldn't be. So they didn't think they were going to get anything out of him. Ben Brown being injured was a, was a hurt to them. I think he's a, a key in that, like you say, Bridget, yeah. they need a full forward. Mm. And Van Ruin, Van Ruin's never going to be their number one guy. He's, he's built his body build, his whole setup is built to be the number two guy. Number two or number three guy, and take that second or third best defender, kick two or three goals, and do his job every week. But he's not ever going to be a Charlie Kernow. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Bailey Fritch, you know, kicks straight. Max Gorn doesn't, you know, spoil his own goal. You know, Melbourne 
Melbourne uh, progress along, uh, you know, that wasn't to be uh, for them uh, and certainly not for Port Adelaide. Uh, Ken Hinckley was a coach that had a fair bit of pressure on him uh, for a large portion of the start of the year and then Port Adelaide just went absolutely bang, 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 strung all of those games together and then just seemed to lose a little bit of momentum just after signing Ken Hinckley for another three years, Jace. I think they lost that momentum before that stage, hadn't they? And they waited till they won a game again before they announced it. But look, I think it's good they kept Hinkley. He got him 13 in a row. He's been there for a while, but he's built a young list. He needs one more year to see what he can do with that list. So at the end of the day, the Giants were, they were like you say, they had momentum. They were on fire. They, they played as a team. They played as, I was really cheering for the Giants last Saturday, last Friday night. I actually thought the Giants would win. You're right, Jason. And they played a terrific brand of football. They they didn't, they, you know, they walked away from the MCG with plenty supporters saying, "Yeah, they're not a bad team," you know. And I, the bit about the Giants is under the new coach is the fact that they look like a football team. They didn't look like twenty stars running out there being heroes. They looked like a team ran out there to work together and do what each person needed the other one to do. I was impressed with the way the Giants finished the finals. There was a couple of key moments in that game that I thought really did define things. Um, one was a later key moment, and I'm not sure what Toby Green's got to do to get a high free kick. That um, grab of the throat, which was a, a, a lingering arm. and the Did he duck edge. into it, though? He lowered his knees a little bit. So he ducked into his... it. No, he didn't duck. He lowered his knees a little bit, which is allowed. And if we're protecting the head, he can't do that. And even if he hadn't lowered his knees, he still would have clipped the top of his head. But he grabbed him straight in the throat. That's a free, That's kick, a free kick every, every day. single day of the week. The Cali one free kick. Yep. The Himmelberg there was one a trip. free kick. There were, exactly, there were about there eight or nine a little of bit them. after. Yes. So there was a couple of incidents there where I thought, well, okay, you know, Toby Green really needs to, the umpires need to pull and go, okay, we're, we're going to get off Toby Green and we're going to give him a fair run the same as every other player. He's having a go now. He's not being stupid. Maybe he tainted himself with that brush for being a bit crazy for many years. But I saw in the week before against Port Adelaide, he lost his head in that one and it was a clear free kick then. He got up in that one and snapped a brilliant goal, which was great. It doesn't let it, it doesn't bother him. He doesn't turn around and abuse the umpires anymore or anything like that. But as a fan watching, we were sitting there in the Giants presentation room and we just were like shocked that that was not paid as a free kick. But the other moment that I think was the most important moment of the game was when our local boys steal side bottom, took that mark as, as Toby Green's goal was going through for a goal how easy is it to accidentally just fumble that or feel the pressure of a final to get into a grand final and just punch that through for a point? But no, he knew that, that he had to take that mark and they needed zero score to keep one point in front and Steele did his job. Well, I thought Steele was fantastic in the first quarter. He had probably nine or ten possessions in that first quarter. He was instrumental in Collingwood coming out with that early fire that I thought they needed. They shut down... The Giants in the first quarter. The Giants then, of course, came back a bit and got to win a point. It was a terrific game of football. I thoroughly enjoyed it. There were heroes everywhere. The way that finished, the way it was pack after pack, ball up after ball up, was 
people diving in. The, you know, they must have been well spent after 120 minutes of football. And to give that commitment at the end, not to allow that ball to move, I was very impressed. I'll tell you what, uh, you wouldn't have had to have uh, a box of roses to be chewing chocolates if you're a Collingwood supporter in that last couple of minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a very interesting way of putting it. But but even that thing, Steel Sidebottom's mark was still with three or three or four minutes to go. It was there was still quite a bit of time left on the clock when he took that mark. So it, there was a lot of clock to burn, and and they just couldn't score the Giants. They couldn't get that one point to even send it into overtime. And Collingwood do it again. It, so I heard during the week that McRae's played coached forty five games. 17 of those have been decided by less than a goal, oh, and he's won 12 of them. That's crazy, isn't it? It's just, it's it's insane. And, I mean, look, thinking back to what Collingwood went through last year against Sydney, I don't know if you boys Lost remember. Lost by a pre- point. Correct. Yep. And there were moments in that game where you're like, what if this and what if that? To me, it felt like Collingwood should probably, with the highest level of respect, you know, been the grand finalists last year. They weren't. You know, Destiny this year, they were. Obviously, the GWS got some real excuses and some tough luck um, stories, but we get them out of just about every single prelim that we see, and it'll be Collingwood facing Brisbane at the MCG tomorrow. Uh, Sauce, um, what about the blue baggers, mate? Because, gee, um, I'll just tell you what. Before we like, go on to them, yes. um, the Dacos tackle that was let off at the, the not cited at the tribunal. Were you boys both happy with that to be let go? No, no. Abs- look, I mean, I'm happy to you see you. No, because. Okay. I thought there no, was nothing I, in it. I, I oh, didn't look, think there was much in it. I just thought, like, well, he's went through a. Bedford's gone through a concussion test and spent uh, a period of time off the ground as a result of that, which some GWF supporters actually argue, you know, potentially cost them a game. But, look, just comparing it, not how you boys do this, week in, week out, and what's the one thing that we have asked for in over a decade? Consistency. Correct. Correct. Bridge, now, the $20,000 question. No, 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 no. So consistency is absolutely it, and as far as I'm concerned, that was not consistent with what we've seen across season 2023. Did he dump him? No. He really it was, the a, no, well, it was a it was a clear push in the back which wasn't paid. So the umpire standing right next to him didn't even think it was worth a free kick. Um, to me, I, I think the, um, the AFL got the right call on this one. I mean, Bridge, this is another thing, and I've thought about you uh, quite a bit actually uh, last week, Sydney. Uh, in, a, in a really good way, so don't get nervous uh, about that. <laughs> just with regards to your umpiring, uh, and, I mean, you just... Do you, as an umpire, go into a final, grand final, prelim or whatever and actually say, right, boys, we're putting the whistle away this quarter? Like, why is it that, you know, it's just an expectation, you know, that we all, I guess, have that during finals, you're just not going to get the free kicks that you usually would. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is it even a real thing, Bridge? After 35 years of umpiring, I honestly can tell you, no. That is not a a directive that comes to umpires. It is not the way umpires are spoken to. What is spoken about is making sure it's a free kick and don't miss free kicks. That's the way it comes across when you're going into finals and grand finals is 
don't make mistakes and don't miss clear free kicks. So okay. when they're looking at those bridges, you think that it's at the split second, they're under just as much pressure as the players with 95,000 people cheering and carrying on that, oh, was that a free kick? Oh, I'm not sure. All right, I can't pay it. All right, and you're right, Jase. What actually happens as well is you come from a, a, a game through the season and the games, let's say it's at 70%. Then you get to a final, a preliminary final, and they're getting up to that 90 95% of speed, effort, commitment by everybody. When you get to a grand final, you're getting to 100%. And the speed of the game is, is phenomenal. Absolutely. And you get to that point where, is it a free, too late, it's already gone. You know, the ball's moved. It's already created three extra pieces of play while you're still mentally trying to decide was that a free kick or not. Does that make sense? Yep. So the speed of the game does often rule how many free kicks were paid. I actually, last week on the show, I said the umpires have done a fantastic job through the season. I can't quite say the same after the weekend, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't you, you think gotta, the performance yeah, was like, quite as good. Uh, I, I believe that the two sides that are in the grand final 100% deserve to be there. Obviously, nothing to argue about if you're a Carlton supporter. You jumped out of the well, box, played Go back to Carlton. Yes. You know, they kicked the first, what, six goals? Yep. And five, then, I think it was. Five, was it six. Five or six, yep. Yeah, you know, I think, it, you know, they were 30 points up. So Correct. it had to be first six. And then they allowed Brisbane to get a, a couple. And after that, Carlton just had no answers. Whether it was too warm, whether it was just... That Gabator is a deadly place to go and play football there. And I don't know why. I was there earlier in the year and watched Brisbane and Freo. And Freo, Freo played pretty well, but not good enough to win. I, I'm just not sure why. And it just looks like an ordinary ground. It's not a, an uneven ground. It's not a, The surface is fantastic. It's very similar, I would think, in size to the MCG. But when teams go there, they just fall by the sword. You know, I cannot help but just ponder upon the irony right now as, you know, Jason sits there in Brisbane or the Sunshine Coast, wherever he is up there, to, you know, to play his footy in an AFL carnival there, 180 teams converging, you know, in Queensland. How great for the game. And then obviously Brisbane into a grand final. The Gold Coast really disappointing this year, but, you know, they sort of had some momentum at some point and created some bit of excitement. And I remember very well, Bridge, very well, both you and Statsman, I'm calling you out on this as well, just shaking your head at Queensland footy, saying it is doomed to fail, it is hopeless, it is a basket case, and here we are. Are you talking six... about Queensland or the Gold oh, Coast? I'm just though. talking about football in Queensland in general and some of the garbage that you boys have come up well, with I'll over tell the you journey what, of time. We are right. I'm just having my right little whack right now because well, I can. You are absolutely wrong about the Gold Coast. <laughs> the Gold Coast is a disaster zone and hang I on, don't see on. it improving. Here we go. J-Dub, can you queue up the Gold Coast song and play some of the Gold Coast song for us? You have to this week. Oh. <laughs> you have to. I'll the Gold the Coast now the show. Are, you have to. I want to hear this Gold Coast song. I need to hear it. Queue it up and let's get it going for the crowd. I know why, then because they explain. won the twos grand final. They beat Werribee in the grand final yeah, on the weekend. They'll get they a now have a, they have a, a Victorian premiership under their belt. But the thing is... I mean, where the AFL in 
you know, that part of the world sits right now, it appears as an outsider looking in to be in a pretty healthy state. And as much as I'm just going to put the disclaimer up and sorry to all my Brisbane supporter mates, I am absolutely on the Collingwood bandwagon tomorrow. So there you go for everyone that's been asking me all week. I'm off the fence and I'm definitely uh, supporting Collingwood tomorrow. Uh, I think that, you know, if Brisbane win this flag, I mean, they just absolutely bounce into 2024 and, you know, footy's going places in uh, Northern Australia. I think it is I think anyway. It'll be like an the... interesting week up here if they they can win with a carnival up on the Sunshine Coast and Brisbane winning a, a grand final, and I believe they're in the NRL grand final as well. If I'm yes, right, so it could be a big sporting week for this whole entire area that we're in. Yes, Jace, I'm going to ask you just about Carlton last week because yep. we haven't really spoken about the blue baggers and I just want to take this opportunity to say huge congratulations uh, to Carlton and look uh, you know I fully was bullish on Carlton coming into 2023 I I thought 100% they're a top four side they they that didn't happen for them but ultimately well in terms of their uh, home and away season but at the end of the day they have been a top four uh, side for where they finished after the final series but if you're a Carlton supporter out there, you've gone up, you've acquitted yourself very well against a side that hasn't lost a game there all year. In your first final series in 10 years, uh, I think you can, you know, you've got a fair bit to hang your hat on and get excited about uh, for the future with the Blues. What do you reckon, boys? Well, I, I agree. Uh, and as you would have heard throughout the year, I already borrowed a mate's uh, excavator and dug a hole and buried Boss about round with the day oh, of the week yes. they played Gold Coast. I'd put his little... Um, he was gone. His, his headstone was already there. It already had ex-Carlton coach written on it as he was um, with some flowers beside it. And then they won, what was it, nine in a row and snuck their way into finals. Uh, I've been speaking to a few Carlton supporters and you might have spoke to Nipper at some stage during the week or that he had his views and I spoke to uh, Ron Beatty who's a very big Carlton supporter and he was up at the game last week and he said it was just an amazing atmosphere he said that that no they didn't win but it was so proud of what they'd achieved throughout the year and was yeah just so happy to have been able to have I guess got back to that point in football again and I wonder whether or not, not that I condone this type of behaviour, and I looked at it and I thought it was absolutely disgusting at the time, but you boys would remember, I can't remember what round it was, but they were at absolute rock bottom. I think they were 4 and 10 or something crazy like that, and it just staring down the barrel of potentially absolute disaster. Some of their fans crawled over the race and just got completely stuck into them. Took it way too far as far as I was concerned. But, again, bit of irony. After that, they seemed to uh, completely transform the way that they were playing and everything started to fall into place. Was it the win against Port that turned it around? Uh, And then they just went on a roll... I didn't think early in the season anybody was questioning the quality of the team. They were questioning the direction they were given and the direction that the players and the club was going, and it was backwards. So Giants were no better, though. Like, they were, what was it, 14th and 15th at that Mm. point of time. Correct. Both have come home with a wet sail. And the Giants, you know, their coach was a new coach, though. Yes. So 
his expectations were not to play finals. Carlton's expectations at the start of the year were to go one step better than last year, and that meant they had to make finals. And they'd pretty much resigned themselves that that wasn't going to happen. So, yes, they lost, and they would have learnt from that. But at the same time, they have to be so happy with their efforts and the fact that they've shown everybody else, like me, that did give them what for throughout the year, that they are back playing football and their list is good enough to continue on next year. Well, how's this? You mark my words, they will be, as far as the uh, pre-post betting coming into 2024 is concerned, I'm just going to put my hand up right now and say Colin, uh, sorry, you, you, yeah, you're Collingwood and Brisbane obviously going to be up there in your top three, but I reckon that Carlton could potentially be up there as a flag favourite uh, into next year off the back of what we saw coming into the end of this season. Well, look, you could be like the coach of the, the NFL over in America. The Dolphins played the Broncos last week and beat them by 70 to 20, which was like a 70-year high score. The coach got that board. He went up into the crowd and he was asking the crowd to pick their next play, the next play for them to play, and he was radioing that down to the field. That's where <laughs> that's where he was at. He was that board. He went up and he had the crowd picking off his sheet what they were going to do, and they were still scoring. <laughs> I'm not convinced that Carlton are going to come out and have the same team have a go as what they had this year. That that with teams that are building. You can come good one year and then you can fall away and whatever else. The, the, the competition is so level that they have to bring the same commitment, the same team effort that they brought at the end of the year. And that is not always easy. I think the Giants will, though. Okay. Let's Switching to Brisbane, though, yes. like obviously talked about them. The Lions, they dug themselves out of a hole. If you're, you know, I know Bridges thinks six goals is 30 points, and that's probably why he struggles in that show. But six goals is not 30 points. He Bridges, wasn't five far goals. off. He was okay. You don't highlight But that five goals stays. down in a final with their crowd around them would have been silence at that ground at that point. Now, we were listening on the radio as we were doing fencing, weren't we, Bridges? Yes, we were. And, yep. and the, the crowd noise would have been silent. They picked that up and turned that into a, an easy win. And that's something that, like, Collingwood went down to the wire. They would have running 120% energy levels until the siren. Brisbane would have been... They obviously didn't play the first quarter because they didn't do much there. And they didn't have to do too much in the last 15 minutes of the game either. Uh, I think Brisbane have got to have the fitness in their legs and the not the wear and tear of that grand final bit to go down next week or tomorrow and be in a better spot. Going on that, that Jason, I, I agree. And I'm a bit a little surprised that Brisbane aren't favourites going into the well, grand Well, can final. we... Hang on, boys. You're jumping a little bit too far ahead here. I've got segments. I'm fully organised. <laughs> and Hang on. You, no, you've just thrown everything out of whack. What about the Brownlow, Jace? Uh, we've obviously got Brownlow. heaps to talk about Ooh. in terms of Don't the grand final. Don't get started on this Brownlow. You get... We're going to get your no. I want to hear from you on the Brownlow, Jason. We'll get your Norm Smith and winner and margin for tomorrow's game, and then I might let then you get back to the family. Then you kick me off, you guys. Yes. Yep. How yep. does that sound? You happy that with that? Sounds good. Yep. Okay. Uh, Brownlow well, medal. Locking in. Winner. Congratulations. Now, dual Brownlow medalist. Oh, gee. Oh. 
Where, where, where to start with this, um, Jason? You got a haircut? Was... You got a haircut segment to throw up for me here, or what? No, I could, I could throw the yeah, haircut. I, up I can't even do this without a haircut segment. This is just, yeah, I need a haircut. It Come on, give he's, a haircut. Been, he's been I'm over mate, double over if, the If you counter, saw right? what I was doing <laughs> to uh, be able to make this phone call happen in the studio of One FM right now, um, you might not um, put too much pressure on me to deliver the haircut. But all right, send, send I can a message sing it. to Adam for our wireless headsets. <laughs> Get a haircut and get a new job. Oh, no, a real job, isn't it? Is that how it goes? That's it. Right, yeah, I hear right. it every bloody week. Well, Radio Jace, there's your haircut. Fire away. Okay. All right. So this is a really tough one, this Brownlow, because there's been, and everybody that's read every newspaper, listened to every article, has heard everyone basically say Lockie Neal doesn't deserve this because there was one game in amongst that where he did bugger all. And three guys did a hell of a lot more than him and should have got the three votes, and, and he got the three votes. But it's really hard. Like, And I'm actually not going to haircut the, them giving the Brownlow and bits for it, really. I, I don't like the fact that Lockie Neal picked up votes, but how do you fix this? You can't... You, there is no way to fix it. This is one of those haircuts that's got to go nowhere because who's at fault? Is the AFL at fault because they took the uh, phones off the umpires because they were betting and cheating? Is the uh, the system at fault for having the umpires doing the votes in the first place when wherever we see an Anzac Day medal or that, the vote normally goes to the wrong person? So is this just a fact of life that mistakes are going to be made? Jason Horn Francis got three three votes in the very first game and, in my opinion, didn't even come close to earning those votes. But we're seeing it this year. Big why? Why and why are we noticing so many in wrong? What we feel is the wrong ones because we're looking at the stat sheet is because the umpires aren't looking at their phones. Well, they're not. They're not allowed the stat sheet. You're right, Jace. I remember going back. I was umpiring a game up at Deniliquin, and we got to the end of the game and sort of no, we got to half time of the game. And we said, oh. We, you know, you usually talk about votes then. Who, who played well in that first quarter, second quarter, da-da-da-da. And we were saying, and someone said, what about Sutton? Trevor Sutton was the goal kicker at the time, kicked 100 and, or 250 or whatever. And someone, and I, and someone said, well, he, he's hardly touched the ball. And the, one of the goal umpires said, no, nah, he's hardly touched the ball. He's already got nine, though. You know, uh, when you're umpiring the game, you don't always see all these things because... He might be shooting a goal, but you're trying to sort out someone arguing with you back on the halfback flank or this type of thing. So I, I think the stats are important. The problem with the stats is that always leans to it being the midfielder's Brownlow. Now, can I just chime in there just for a second? Now, that, that's certainly been one that has been a ter- talking point across the week. You've got the um, Harris Andrews three-voter, the Dom Sheed three-voter. There's a few that we could sort of target. Uh, the, the one that I sort of couldn't quite get my head around w- was one of the Lockie Neal ones. Where, I can't find the game. It's like Sydney had 10 possessions and got the three votes. That but, was against Giants. Yeah, okay. And strong impact. Yeah, but, but well... Can, can I just say this, though? The, yeah, before we, we can get back to that one bridge, but just to make my point here on Horn Francis, that was his first ever game for Port Adelaide off the back of all of the heat that he copped and criticism last season. You probably remember, boys, because I know you both stuck up for him and I was really proud of his last year, the way that you handled that situation. But he's gone over there. Now, that game, Jace, he, the, the ranking points, and I know you boys absolutely love your ranking points, there was six blokes 
who had 89 to 95. So Ryan Burton, according to Champion Data, had the highest impact that day with only 95 points. Now, Horn Francis had 90. Okay, so the difference between 90 and 95 is not a great deal. 25 possessions at 80%. Uh, also kicking a goal, 17 of those were kicks as well. So as far as I'm concerned, Bridge and Jace, I cannot really sit there and go, how on earth can... I mean, if that's the way the umpire saw it, I, I can have well, that 100%. Okay, but on that same game, yep. Ollie Wines had 29, kicked a goal, had nine marks, you know, and he had just as much movement of the ball. So, Pal Pepper kicked uh, a goal or two. There was others around the same position but, as him. But, Todd but, Marshall okay. kicked four goals. But you've missed the point, Jace, in terms of, and I think this Super would... coach points. Well, yeah. not, no, no, no. In terms of the external stuff too. So, I think maybe the umpires sit there and go, oh, well, you know, he was pretty good and, geez, you know, copped a bit of stick over the off season. Yeah, you know what that a great way to not respond. Come into it, that, okay, don't you don't reckon? No, okay. no, no way. No, no, fair, no, no, no. Well, that's fair enough. I'm just throwing on it your out ranking there. points. Yes, that I've got the game here. Connor Rosie had this is the dream team points, which is if the AFL ever had anything, they would use their own stats, not super coaches. Dream team Connor Rosie and Pal Pepper and Ryan Burton on 95. Ollie Wines 93. Francis 90. So he's fifth in the rankings in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, I mean, but, you know, you're splitting hairs there. Look, there's probably better examples, and I wish we had the um, Well, the the example I'll pull, and and this really, to me, um, I guess seals the Lockie Neal side of things anyway. It is very compelling. I will admit that, Jace, but uh, share it with the listeners. Is the the Bulldogs-West Coast game at the end, which ultimately cost the Bulldogs a place in the eight in the finals. But Tim Kelly, as I listened to that broadcast, I listened to that one. It might have been a, a 1FM game, that one. And I listened to that one, and Tim Kelly was everywhere. He had 30-odd disposals. He, he won the ball out of the middle for them. And in my opinion, the commentator's opinion was clearly best on ground. He got one vote. Bont played in a losing team, got two. And Jamie Cripps up in the forward line had a few disposals and got four five goals. goals and eh? He got the three. He kicked so, five kicked goals. Five. But he kicked four. I kicked five. I thought he kicked four. But so he got five. But Tim Kelly was the best on ground that day. But Bond definitely was not as good as Tim Kelly, yet he still got two votes. The other so, bit I think you're yeah. right is that as to come into this as the first year we've had four umpires, that must be an almighty discussion between four umpires of who is best and who wasn't best. Like you go back a few years when they first went to three umpires. Each umpires gave one, two, three. And that was a bit of a nightmare, and I think actually that year Robert Harvey won that year. But I, I, I'm not sure how you fit four well, they, people they down into one. It, must set. have stuffed it up that year, Bridge. Ah, uh, he was a gun, you know. <laughs> uh, the year before that, though, was a bit more when Kernahan should have won it and didn't because he got suspended and uh, under a dodgy sort of a deal that one. Yes, but the, how you get four different opinions coming down into one, two, three it has to add some sort of confusion to the votes. So I think what the AFL has to do is they have to bring the stats into it. You know, Jace, when I said compelling, I wasn't actually referring to that. I was referring to the conversation that you had with me just before the program regarding Lockie Neal's uh, preparation for his speech. 
Oh, yeah, well, it. I'm sure everybody saw that. He didn't have a speech. He he wasn't going there to win a Brownlow medal. He he did, he did genuinely, he stood up on that as humble as, I think, in his own mind. You know, it's great that he's a Brownlow medal and he's a dual Brownlow medal and he's a superstar of our game and I won't take that away from him. But he didn't think he earned that medal when he was standing up there. Well, um, well I'd much prefer that, he getting it than the year before when Cripps got it when he should have been suspended. Well, that's a different story altogether, Bridges. Let's not wind you up on that one. We don't have an extra four hours for the show for you to go down that path again. Let's play on every day of the week. Rubbish. Something else I noticed in the Brownlow, and look, there's actually two bits, and I'm going to rejig up the haircut actually in a second because I thought of something else that I had written down. Uh, The goal of the year? No, no, the goal of the year was great. Oh, I didn't think was, of it at the you time. You argue with that, sure. Yeah, at, at the time, we argued that, and I said, nah, I've seen better. But watching that again at the time, mm. nah, that was beautiful. But my thing was, like, I was looking at the thing early in it, and the boats were going through, and Dacos didn't quite vote early like we expected him to as heavy. But Petrarca voted extremely well in those first five or six rounds where we didn't expect it. We all thought Oliver was going to be the man then. And to me, that put, okay, this Brownlow medal is Petrarca's. We know he had a great end of the season. He he was kicking three or four goals, getting 30 touches. What more can you ask for? But he didn't vote at the end. Petrarca didn't get those votes at the end. They went to Viney and they went to Hunter and they went to other players around him. Speaking of Will Ashcroft's goal of the year, it was an absolute cracker. What do you think of his speech, Jace? Uh, I did. I did remember yeah, it. It was no. three words, mate. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> Actually, the gave da- him absolutely nothing. Well, the you da- probably the know day why. he kicked that was uh, we were there. That was a free against Freo, and there was three awesome goals kicked that day. And you could have picked any one of the three. I, that that is the only thing I s- said on the day was that was one of three. There was probably twenty five, and all we seen was two. Ashcroft's problem might be the fact that the AFL don't award medals to people that uh, play an absolute stellar role in their team and do an ACL and then don't get a grand final medal if they win. So maybe he's feeling a bit uh, left out this week. Yeah, he Uh, should 100%. Yeah, I disagree with that completely. This is his first year of football, but... He was good. Yeah, and deserves to be part of the premiership uh, if they My haircut, though, I've got to bring this up. I've got to bring this in. I, and I need, maybe you can answer this one for me, J Dub, because you, right. and I wish Stats was on the show tonight, and I'm sure Stats is listening, and we can ask him next week because we know Stats loves a, a 50 cent flutter each way on, on the bits. Now, live gambling in Australia online is banned. Yep. So once a game of football starts, you have to ring up and usually the bookies change the odds and you get ripped off and all of that, but you can't bet live. So why on earth were we able to bet live on the Brownlow on almost every bookie during the count? Good question. I don't know, mate. I... Not only that, you could bet on each round. So up until the round started, like, so once you figured out that Lockie Neal was voting when he shouldn't be voting, his odds were, and I will put my hand up that I did follow this this method and my bank account's a lot healthier than it was because I picked up on it. But you figured out who was voting, look forward three or four rounds to when they had a good game and they had a bit higher odds than normal, bet on them and you could do it. But you shouldn't be able to bet. This, how did they get this through the Australian Gambling Commission to be able to bet live on this event? Well, Jace, you and I had a chat about three years ago uh about this topic and uh, I told you at that point in time that uh, I followed the horses 
However, the problem was the horses that I followed, <laughs> they followed other horses too. So you know what? The best way to win is keep it in your pocket, Sauce. Keep it in your well, pocket. This is true, but this is why live gambling was bad. It was banned because people were betting halfway through a horse race and losing. Um, people were doing their houses in. Now, why all of a sudden, with the biggest, fairest medal in an AFL, are we mixing it 100% with gambling? Yeah, oh, look, the whole thing's just and rife I, with it. it it's, um, yeah, well, I mean, don't even get me started on that. Try, try to listen to SEN and, you know, just catch up with what's happening. And they may as well just change their entire station to sports bet. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, it's disgusting. You know, just between you and I, but um, anyway. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Lockie Neal. Um, commiserations to the Bond. I, I honestly felt myself that the Bond was the winner. I said it on the show last year, uh, last week, that I thought Bond would win. And I think he would have been a deserving winner. But, look, people get votes sometimes. And what we've shown this year is if you take the stats out of it, then it comes down to what do you remember seeing on that game? How many times do you remember seeing that guy on the bottom of the pack? Or maybe a stat says, and this is something that stats has told us for years, you've almost got to have a Brownlow year before you get votes. Uh, what I want to talk about the Brownlow is about the handbag. What handbag? Well, Gold Coast, when they picked up Rao, they took Anderson as a handbag to go with him. Yes, he was the steak knives, wasn't he? He was. And now Anderson is the better of the two. He he had a terrific Brownlow. Top 10 he was. Yep, I thought he was. Oh, the way it was going to him, Petraka, there was a couple of others there that oh, were those old the Smokies that I was looking for. We were talking about last mm, Friday. I was yes. wanting a Smokie to get up, mm. and I thought, gee, Anderson could be the guy, but he just faded a bit at the end, but I thought he voted extremely well. Yep, and, and that's another example of, of that. He had a pretty good end to last year, didn't really vote. This year, he's noticed. Butters didn't vote anywhere near as well as we expected him to as a young kid. Will next year we see Butters? get the free the free votes of the like what's happened to Lockie Neal this time just because of his status and that he's now noticed. So I think that with the stats being removed, the umpires making decisions with four of them, we're going to see a lot of anomalies and we just got to accept that that's life. You, you've got to keep giving the umpires the job. I, I think yeah. that's the only independent person at a ground is the umpires. And even if they do have a favourite or they own, they still barrack for teams, but doing their job, they are the only independence you have. And you've got to only look at the Glendenning medal or I think, in fact, a month ago or whatever, they gave someone a, a Glendenning medal from 20 years ago because he was robbed. So you can't get people, media or coaches or whatever else to pick it. You've got to, the only umpires are the only ones that can do it. Just got to say a, a real big shout out to Kyle Hollywood Power. Wonder how you're going to enjoy grand final day. I uh, hope you've had uh, a fantastic uh, day off today, public holiday, and got bits and pieces happening as well uh, with, uh, I reckon that might be uh, the Nick that I know as well, uh, father of uh, Jason Trinetti's Nick Trigger. Oh, gee, things are going to get rather large. Don't go too hard tonight. Collingwood, he, this bloke, you want to talk about one-eyed Collingwood supporters, and I reckon he's got about four... T no, he doesn't. He's still quite good-looking in his age, uh, is Trigger, uh, Trigger Senior. But uh, to you boys, uh, enjoy your night, enjoy Grand Final Day, and uh, catch his 
really soon. Thanks heaps for listening. But Send the message out to, to Jason Trigger Jr. to come back and play Giants football with us next year. He came and joined us at the start of the year and then was a bit busy and couldn't couldn't continue playing, but gee, it was good to play with some AFL royalty earlier in the year. He could have been up there in Brisbane playing, or oh, Sunshine oh, Coast playing. Dominant. He's the right age group too. He'd be playing on my team up here. It'd be perfect. Imagine having him coming out of the middle, kicking some goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know if he'd be coming out of the middle. He'd be coming out of the middle of the goal square. He's about uh, as much moving as you'd get out of him. I've uh, seen him play a few senior games reluctantly. Uh, a couple of years ago now over at uh, Rumba. Uh, but, uh, boys, just getting back, obviously, to the grand final for yourself, Jace. just about to let you go so that we can go to a sponsor. I'll let break you guys break boys, it all down. And then so we I'll will just, cut I'll it to just... absolute pieces. Jace, I want your margin and your Norm Smith medalist and why. Okay, do I get to give a winner too? Yes. That's oh, margin. You want a oh, margin? Sorry, yeah, you want a margin. So the margin, margin, but yeah. no winner. Okay, so I can go you. in each way on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll sit on that fence. Look, the one thing I want out of tomorrow, and and I know that a lot of it's almost Australia versus Collingwood is the way that the game is being portrayed. But what I want to see is a game that comes down to the last couple of minutes, the last couple of grand finals, the last three or four that I can remember back were they're just bloodbaths. Yes, and they're over by quarter time. Uh, the shots are already broken out, and the bars are already are already been smashed by quarter time because we already knew who was going to win. And that's the last thing I want to see tomorrow. So I want to see these two teams duke it out, like that Collingwood Giants game last week. A replay of that this week with Collingwood and Brisbane would be just perfect. I wouldn't mind. I know it's hard for me to say, and I know Heather's listening in. I wouldn't mind seeing Collingwood win just purely with no Buckley, no Eddie Maguire. It's a fresh look Collingwood setup, and they do deserve some success. But I'm up here in Brisbane, and they'll all be angry if I walk around in a Victorian shirt for the rest of the week. I'll probably get shirt-fronted and splattered by some team in the Collingwood in the Queensland game that I play on Wednesday if Collingwood wins. So I'm going to have to go for Brisbane. And I think it'll be I think it'll be another one of these less than a goal games. So I'm going to go Brisbane by three points. Ooh. Ooh. Very close one. Brisbane by three points. It's going to come down. Well, I've got to have me come down to the wire game. Well, you've actually and got it upside down, Jace. Just to let uh, everybody out there know, hashtag gamble responsibly at all times. It is Collingwood a dollar seventy eight. They are favourites at this point in time. The line is three and a half, Jay. So you're absolutely right on the money there. Uh, obviously, Brisbane with a head start at $2.08. Gamble responsibly. Yep. Brisbane by three points is the go for me in that one. Uh, Norm Smith, well, Norm's, Norm's a hard one to decide. And, and often Norm doesn't decide who he's going to end up hanging around the shoulders of until that third quarter when somebody breaks the game apart. And that's a really hard one to do. The one I'd love to see earn it, and there's two guys I'd love to see earn it just because of what they do for football, is I'd love to see Charlie Cameron earn it. I'd love to see a forward win this medal and Charlie kick five or six and do it. But I don't think that's going to happen because Collingwood backline's a pretty tough place. Maynard looks like he's got him. Yeah, and Toby Green struggled last week to to be true Toby. So I, I think my heart would like to see that. I'd love to see Harris Andrews up the other end do the same thing. Is Jack Payne playing, no. Jace? Nope. So 
No Jack Payne. No Jack no Payne. Payne. Gardner's so, playing in his same as last yep, week. So Harris Andrews has to go there. That's a real shame for Jack Payne. He's been a, a key part of their list all year and another reason why players should get medals if they're not played, play, not, not selected or not able to play. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I'd like to be a fly on the wall when they were picking that because Jack Payne to me looked like he was fit. He did all the, ex- all the running, the jumping and whatever else. And his last month or six weeks, he dropped right away. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying he's still injured, but they've chosen Gardner ahead of him. Mm. No, I don't think so, because he was near All-Australian fullback. Gardner he was, was fantastic not... last week yeah. on Kurnow. He was, yes. But Payne's, you can't fault what Payne's done in any way. Well, the last six so... or eight weeks, the story is no. Always hard luck stories, always hard there luck stories. There is always that in the grand final. So who do I pick? Well, I don't pick Lockie Neal because I just don't think so. I'm going to pick the guy who, who the umpires clearly did. The, the umpires clearly don't notice at all, and he had a stellar season. He's probably the trade of the year. I'm going to pick Dunkley. I knew that. I don't know how on earth he only got four votes in the Brownlow. I have no idea on that whatsoever because he had a really solid year. Whenever. Lockie Neal was being tagged or was down a little bit. Dunkley filled the gap. And McCluggage also stepped up. So I'd look a little bit sideways on that. And I'm, I'm going to look at Dunkley for the Norm Smith. Okay, Jace. We'll enjoy your week up north there. No doubt we'll be hearing more from you. And, of course, don't forget... Jason Aspland, the Statsman, and City of the Bridge will be back to do another two programs, I am led to believe. Two? Yeah, apparently so, because of well, uh, Trade Week. Well, I'm not back week next week, boys, so we're going to have to have a trade show the week after and break down the teams. And there's a lot, of, we, a lot we've normally done by this stage of the year, and we've just missed with people being away and... So we'll just have to have one extra show. Might have to do that. Uh, Jason Asplen, thank you so very much. Uh, thank you for Chris. having me, listeners. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bridges and Stats, for what you've done up to this point of the year. It, the show works when you guys are all in. J-Dub, it's good to have you pop in. Um, do tell us a little bit about the Hawks. I'll be listening in for the rest of the show. So do tell us a little bit about the Hawks before you, you go. and what they're. <laughs> well, besides being wooden spooners, but what are their trade targets? What's their plan? We'd be the, both the grand finalists. Step? Only side to do that for the year. Well, that's true. And you beat the Saints. That's all that matters. We played our yep. grand final. Don't worry so about that. So going on that, you're saying you played for draft picks? No, come on. No, <laughs> that rubbish. no, no. no. I oh, will get to that, Jace. Yeah, I'll tick okay, that Okay, all right. For you, Thank mate. you, guys. Bye. Thank you very, very much, Jason Asplen. And thank you, too, of course, to Patentina's BP service station, North Shepparton. Here you are on the AFL opening bound. Patentina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. You're on 1FM Live and Local. This is the AFL Opening Bounce Special Grand Final Edition here on your local station, 1FM Live and Local. Wherever you tuned in this evening, whether it be on 98.5 FM or via the Community Radio Plus app, Thank you so very much for your continued support and company across season 2023. Still plenty more to come. And of course, we will have the AFL Grand Final broadcast live here 
AFL Indigenous Broadcasting tomorrow, Barry Denner, Ron Rogers, Andrew Cracker, and our very own local boy, the Prince, the Prince of Shep, Chrissy Egan, to do the special comments. Looking forward to that coverage tomorrow. We have it on the TV and their commentary in the background at home. Uh, just look, I mean, on the Hawks, what, what can you say? Obviously, in a development period of time. Uh, We're here to talk about the grand final, but just for you, Jace, I'm comfortable with uh, the season that was. I think that, look, you might laugh at this, but we actually had a little bit of momentum when James Sicily got rubbed out for three weeks and lost the next three games out. It's unfortunate that you've, you know, in a position where a player is so crucial um, to your lineup that. You can almost single-handedly put it back down to the fact that if he doesn't play, we've got no hope. Well, and that's how I felt at that point in time. Your Look, captain to boot to do that was rather... He is a bit of a hothead. He has got a reputation for that. Oh, absolutely. The question I have yes. for you is, okay, Mitchell is in Hawthorne's mind the superior coach to Clarkson. Okay. What he, do, he has is game A... I don't necessarily think that that's what they believe. I, I I believe it's more so that you know you're in the same job for twenty years. Uh, potentially, you know, might be time to maybe change yeah. things up a little Ask bit. Melbourne about Jock McHale. Mm. Jock McHale, the Brit, the guy who took him how many flags to Melbourne? Dozens. No, it was Snorm Smith. It was Smith, mm. wasn't it? Took him how many, and then they booted him out, and then went to the doldrums ever since. So. I, I don't think it matters how long you've been there. It's how good your message is, how you re-generate yourself. But that's not my question. My question is, Mitchell has game A, which is run and gun, take a, the ball out. They took the sword to the Saints. They give us a proper touch-up. They did it to a couple other teams. But as soon as the other teams were able to shut that down, that was the end of the Hawks. Every, every game that happened, they were not able to bounce back. They had no game B. And as a consequence, they lost far more games than what they won, but they also lost a lot of games that they were in the game and should have won. What's the most important statistic in football? In your mind, Bridge? Winning. Scoreboard. Sure. So let's learn to score first. Well, yeah, but you also, if if it's not going your way, then you have to have a plan B. What do we do, okay? We're, we're a run-and-gun team. That's the way they played it. And when they got it on the outside, they moved that ball beautifully up to the forward line, bang, goals, yes. But as soon as that was stopped, they fell in a heap. I think you got an average list age of maybe 23. Uh, that would probably be, be being generous. So About very, the middle of the road, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know if it's the middle. It's I think we were the Surprise, second the oldest youngest. The oldest is only 25. The oldest is only 25. Yeah, but in terms of like average across the board as far as AFL clubs are concerned, oh, you second, second, yeah, yeah, uh, only in front of North. Okay. So in terms of where we started the year, uh, after uh, round three and we uh, lost to, sorry, the first two rounds we played Geelong and we played Essendon got absolutely trounced and it really looked like at that point in time that uh, I, I could not see a way forward, absolutely. But the way they were able to respond across the year, uh, they knocked off sides that, you know, nobody would have given them a chance to in Brisbane, Collingwood, even against you, off the back of losing to St Kilda by 84 points the year before. If you can sit there 
post-2023 and not say that that's a huge tick for the Hawthorne well, Football Club. Well, I was there the day you beat Saints and yep. we had you to by, what, 15 points or so halfway through the last quarter and then you just went bang, bang, bang and won the game beautifully. Beautifully done. And, and there are stages like that numerous times across the year where those opportunities uh, were presented. And you might remember also pretty stiff uh, against the GWS when Harry Himmelberg actually took mark of the year. Yep. If you and remember the that. save of the a, year. Yeah, exactly right. And then there was another uh, game. Might have been, I think it was three weeks in a row we were leading with three minutes left to go and lost. Mm. Might have been four. <laughs> so, you know... Um, Considering the fact that they have won, uh, was it six games for the year? Seven games, actually, for the year. I think that is absolutely a pass and mark for the Hawks. And where, 14th? Yeah, oh, look, we're, we're third bottom, yeah. um, absolutely. But, look, we weren't that far away uh, from the sides above okay, us. Okay, what do you need to improve that list? Well, just continue to grow and develop, but maybe a little bit more support uh, down back. And I think that that's why uh, some of the talk around Mackay, who um, we now believe uh, that deal going is Essendon, done and I he's think. going to Essendon. Radically, uh, you're up big for him. That was another one, I believe, that I don't believe that there's any sort of uh, real momentum with that trade no, to Hawthorne anyway. Like going, if he goes Himmelberg's anywhere. the one. Uh, wouldn't it be on... Adelaide. Himmelberg, yeah. Right. To so come he, across. Yeah, that's one that they're talking about, the possibility of uh, Marbua Chol is another one. Is another one, yes. He's that's up in potentially. The air. So oh, I think that they've just got to stay with youth. Uh, I was really concerned when they were talking. Uh, Mackay, though, Mackay's still young, just some injury mm. uh, issues for mine. Uh, and as, as it turned out, they've, they've um, said that, you know, potentially some issues with the knee there. But anyway, we'll see how that all plays out over the coming days. Uh, but, you know, the likes of a Marbois Chol, he could be perfect um, for our lineup. I really rate him uh, as a player. Just his athletic ability, aerobic ability, yeah, he, he, ability to get around the ground, just compete this. like an Alir Alir type player. Last year he kicked, what, 46 goals yep. or whatever and looked okay. But he can play anywhere. But He's this so year he versatile. just played, what, five games and looked yeah, all at and sea. Mm. And when he was at Richmond, he was all at sea. So I, I'm not sure that I'd be giving him a huge oh, big A bit contract. of inconsistency up at the... No, that's right. So... Look, they have just got to continue to go to the draft and continue to develop. And you know, oh, oh, from what I see this year, I'm giving them a huge well, tick. Yeah, I think at that the they, end um, of last year did more than I expected off the back of the start of the season. That's you, you for sure. Shipped out a few good players last year at the end of the year, um, probably a year than later than you should have, uh, like Mitchell and whatever. Mitchell's been good at Collingwood. We'll get to him in a little bit, uh, and voted quite well in the Brownlow as well. Uh, so I, I, th- I, I don't know that either of those players that we've talked about there are going to really assist you. So my advice would be to go back to the draft, bring in another three or four kids and try and fill your holes you've got with those kids. It's definitely a longer-term plan for the Hawks. It's, you wouldn't have thought that there'd be immediate success uh, on the radar, but but who knows? You know, uh, it seems to me that when uh, a formula uh, is found at a club like look at Collingwood, for example, although they do have that more sort of you know experience at the top end 
you know, players, but what how quickly McRae's been able to Re- develop that yeah, list. Sure. You know, from sort of where they are. I think Just that before we go to the grand final, which we've yeah. got to go to now, what what are your thoughts on the way the AFL are gonna help North Melbourne? Give them three end of first year first round picks. One well, they this year and two next year. To, yeah. Well, I think it's pretty important um, before Tasmania comes into the competition. To get them back and going again. Yeah. Um, Chris Scott and it's Ross spe- Lyon through the week gave the AFL what for over this. Mm. But I don't think that's anything special. In no. the first round, one this year, consider, two next looked at year. Over, over history, what's happened, you know, I think with Richmond there at one point in time, certainly happened with Hawthorne at one point in time. You won't Brisbane, get a comp- the Gold Coast, and exactly, they've all right. had them. Correct. So uh, I don't know uh, what what people are complaining about, considering what North Melbourne's had to go through and over the last couple of years. I mean, think about all of the external stuff that well, that footy club's had to deal with as well. Sure. It's been a lot. But has it been a shot in the foot? Did they shoot themselves in the foot? They got rid of a lot of experienced no. players what, in one by go. By bringing Clarkson to the club? No, and then before that. Being able to Two coach years before that. No. We won't even go there, to be honest. So what, what? I don't think the AFL have given them anything special. No. So, um, so you're happy with it? We I am. Agree. I, We're I agreeing. And the, yeah, and the bit is about the two picks next year, at the end of first round next year, North can trade them out this year. If North all of a sudden jump in the next year, the AFL could rescind those two. So they're not a guarantee there. So if I was North Melbourne, I'd trade them out this year. Maybe you trade those two for a top 10 at North, at the Suns or whatever like that. You give up two end of first round picks and you pick up something else in first round this year. Then you've got your end of one. If they get rid of Mackay, that gives them a, probably a top three pick. Um, that's all good for North Melbourne. I think they've got to be given some assistance and I don't have a problem with them at all. Let's get into the grand final bridge. We'll go through um, some of the key matchups. What, how many well, grand finals? Like how many do you actually little... been to yourself? Grand finals, yeah, three. Okay, I've been to three. Yep. Saints lost to Geelong. Yes, Saints lost. Oh, drew to Collingwood and then lost. That's the only three I've been to. Yeah, uh, but I, I'd rather do it a little differently this year if we could. Yeah, we to can. start off. I'd, I'd like to look at the. One team first, the Lions first, and then Collingwood next. So let's look at rather than compare, because we never know as a rule who's going to play on who. You can't say, oh, he's put the halfback flank, so he's going to play on him, mm. because that never happens. Okay. So if we look at Brisbane first. You're the master. Yep, that's the way I... Uh, I'm the assister. You have a look at their back, the back line there. Yes. Um, we talked about Gardner, all right? Did they want to keep... If you look, go down to the emergencies, Jack Payne is listed as an emergency. That tells me that he's fit. If they chose, they could bring him on. They've chosen not to bring him in. They've chosen to go with Gardner. Going on, the, Gardner was best on ground the week before in the twos. It played very well last week. On, kept Charlie Kern out of one goal. So they've chosen to go there. You've got Harris Andrews. Well, will he play back? He likes to play around out a bit from the, the goal square. And Collingwood don't have a big forward. So he's going to like this. It, 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 this will play into, guard, into Andrew's hands. Stasevich, he's just a gun, isn't he? He's a solid, not over the top, not great like a, a Andrew's is, but Stasevich is solid, gives you everything every week. Go to half-back line. Connor McKenna just signed a new contract. A lot of pl- teams were trying to get him. He, he interviewed with 
Carlton St Kilda and a couple of others and decided to go to Brisbane has just signed a new two-year contract so they're pretty happy with him there Ryan Lester's another one gives you everything he's got Again, not fancy, not whatever, but solid, as solid as you can get. You can send him to somebody and you will know that he will break 50-50 or win. Can't ask for more than that. And then you've got Keegan Coleman. Well, Coleman last week I thought was close to best on ground. Mm. I don't know that he would have got it, but he was that loose player in the back line. He's, uh, it's, isn't it uh, amazing that uh, he's almost like a replica? It's, it's almost like a clone of uh, Isaac Quainor at the other end. They're almost the same, Just aren't they? the way yeah, that they yeah, play yeah. their footy and he's going about it. And I wonder if, as a player, you rise in confidence seeing another player of your sort of you know aerobic ability and mm-hmm. general sort of, uh, you know, like, specialist area, which is that sort of running halfback type player yep, yep. that you go, okay, well, uh, these are the, th- these are the things it. that he's doing. Yeah. But just his development this year has been stellar. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I thought he'd been terrific, considering he was in and out of the team yep. and whatever. So you go to the midfield for Brisbane. Hugh McCluggage had a poor start to the season, but he's now got it together. If he could kick straight, he'd be a Absolute gun, but he doesn't kick so well. But he gets plenty of the ball, goes forward and gets his opportunities. And as JC's favourite player, I think is Josh Dunkley. I think is he the pickup of the year? No, oh, no, that's it's like, we'd have to put a couple in the hat to talk about that because on the other team you've got Mitchell, and I think Mitchell got off the top uh, of my head thirteen to fifteen votes. votes or whatever it nine, was. Yeah, that's pretty good right for a guy that was. Right. Supposed to be washed up, mm. uh, was the sub many times. Anyway, Josh Dunkley's had a really good year. Missed a couple of weeks, but he's back and he's had... And the dirty little man, Dane Zorko, has always been a gun footballer. Mm. Always known how to get the ball. Always been able to sneak forward and kick a goal or two. He's as tough as nails. Gives him nothing. Uh, I, I think he, this grand final is right up Zorko's alley. And at the moment he looks fit. He's not carrying any. He's had a few heart calves and hamstrings and whatever, but at the moment he looks really fit. Go to the half-forward line. You've got Charlie Cameron, little motorbike man. is really good, isn't he? And he's a, a bit like Cyril Rioli in the fact that he doesn't get 30 possessions a game. He might get 10 possessions and kick three goals that are out of nowhere. He's such a dangerous player. Absolutely critical that whoever they send to him keeps him out of the game. And that's just Eric Hipwood. Well, this guy, he could takes great marks. He's a great field kick, but a kick a goal, he is hit and miss with the worst of them. <laughs> Harry, he makes Harry Mackay look good. <laughs> that's saying something. Uh, and then you've got Callum Archie, another tough half-forward flanker. Good to have in your team. You'd love to play with him. Go forward, Cam Rayner was in the first final Brisbane played. He was awesome. Kicked three goals, a couple of big bombs. Uh, he is now fulfilling his potential. I was talking a while back to a mate of his that played with him in juniors, and he said, look, don't don't doubt the, the talent that Rayner has. Mm. He, he's come into the AFL, and he hasn't quite found his feet yet, but he said when he does, he is going to do some awesome things. No, he won the Rising Star in his first year. Yeah, but he's also copped he a lot quiet, of flat. But, oh, gee, I'll tell you, him and Jared Berry, mm. oh, goodness gracious, this season... They have taken their games to a whole nother level. Yep. Then you got Big Joe. Well, mm. the guy that used to sit on the fence or, and whatever else and laconic and lazy 
and whatever, he's turned himself around. He now looks like a footballer. He looks like the guy. We Remember when he first started Essen? He'd run down the wing and he'd take a bounce or two and kick a bomb long goal. He looked brilliant but just never gave. This Danaher is different to that completely. Sure, he can be a little dodgy in front of goal sometimes. That's a big, tall guy. That happens. That's just, you know, like that that's part of it but what he does is he's committed to playing well he's committed to marking he's committed to his forward role and i think he's going to be a real gun tomorrow he's going to be hard to stop mm. zach bailey what a goal kicker he is well he is just and he's cold cool calm and collected about shooting a goal he doesn't miss very many I, I think he's terrific there's not many players in the competition with better goal sense than him no you're right there yep and then you've got follow a big Oscar. He's a little clumsy at times. He looks a little uncoordinated at times. But he's a, he's a heart and soul player. And I think in the, he has grown into the role. He actually came in as a forward. His first few years at Brisbane was a forward. And they have ne- they moved him to the ruck. And he's now finding his feet. He's now at the peak of his powers. And I don't think he's going to be overawed by what he's placing against Collingwood there at all. Lock and Neal, dual brown medalist, yes, gets plenty of the ball. Don't think he's had the year he had before, but the umpires thought he did. Jared Berry, another great player, awesome. Go to the bench, Devin Robinson, Lincoln McCartney, who takes a great mark, a goal sneak. Jasper Fletcher, who lit up last, the, the finals, I think, so far as a kid. He's awesome, and Darcy Wilmont. So their emergency says a bit about them, though. Jared Lyons, get a game in any other team in the league. James Tunstall, they've got big Darcy Fourth there and Jack Payne. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that team. I think they've picked the team that they expect to go out there and win. Have a look at Collingwood. Down back, Nathan Murphy, Darcy Moore, Jeremy Howe. Three very good experienced players. I don't think Howe's come back as well this year as he has other years. What did you think about the selections of Collingwood? Uh, Lipinski omitted. Yeah, he's going to be the sub, isn't he? Well, uh, let me have... The way I understand it, he's going to be the sub. sub. It doesn't say at this point in time, but yeah, probably be the sub. But Ginevan, I think he has uh, worked his way, or we're not quite uh, up to Collingwood, but I just seeing Jack Ginevan get a game, really big tick for me, just his effort to put himself in the picture of McRae and just... Pick himself. Just you could not possibly not play Ginevan on grand final. I think he's well, really I, showed, you know, a young footballer who's probably been challenged quite a bit mentally through, you know, the highs and lows of his, you know, very short career so did he far. Not create two thirds of those. Oh well, he's young, flashy. Yeah. Uh, you know, five goals on an Big Anzac mouth. day out yeah, of absolutely sure. nowhere. Let his he's, mouth run. Let his hair go different colour and duck like a. He's a cult hero. Any, any duck would be happy with the way he ducked his head. <laughs> and that's why he's now paying the penalty for that. No, but look, oh, I think that uh, full credit to uh, to Ginevan and hopefully he has a ripper day well, on the, the MCG tomorrow. The problem I have tomorrow. with picking him in the team is he's a quarter player. But the reason why I chimed in there, sorry, because mm-hmm. I wanted you to continue here, is Billy Frampton. Well, that's – and Jeremy Howe. Is he's a known backman, but he can go forward and kick goal. Billy Frampton can go back, so if things are not working for Collingwood, they could switch those two, Jeremy Howe and Frampton. I think that would be well in their mind of why they picked him. Well, he's been named at this point in time, according to the AFL. Frampton's at centre half back. 
Yeah. Well, I think you'll play forward. Yep. That's what I say. That's why we're going this way. Well, that, yeah. my mail is that he'll start forward because, again, hashtag gamble responsibly. And I, I don't personally do it, but for those that are uh, wanting something left field for the first goal scorer, uh, apparently um, there's a bit of a, a quiet whisper on Billy Frampton mm. to potentially be at right your own price. Halfbacks, Maynard, isn't he tough? He's great. I'm pleased he got off. I don't think. I think it was a football act. I know. We we didn't want the injury to happen. No. no. But this is our game. It's a tough, tough game, and that was just part of the game. And I'm sorry that it happened. But I'm pleased he's playing. Yeah, Billy Frampton, if he plays centre back, not look, sure. Look, I, I my heart absolutely broke for Brayshaw and mm. all of the Melbourne supporters. You know, off the back of the spanner that that threw in the works. You know, five minutes into mm. you know such a, a crucial game. But, you know, over the journey of time, as much as, you know, we hate to see, you know, the serious injury to players, we hate to see players getting knocked out, we hate to see players missing footy, uh, you know, it's science, velocity, impact. If it's a high-impact physical game, there's going to be accidents every now and then. That was an accident, and the right decision was made. Yep. Isaac Quainy, you mentioned him before. Isn't he a terrific... Oh, hasn't he turned into a terrific just player? Just a gun. When he first started, he used to make silly little mistakes and whatever. He doesn't make many mistakes now. No. He's, he's terrific. In the, his run he brings, the marking ability, the battle, go back and forward. I, I, I just love him. I think he's mm. terrific. Uh, Centres, still side bottom. I thought he was great last week. Best game he's played for a long time. He really set him up in that first quarter. Was strong at the end, as Jace mentioned. He was great. Pendlebury... Getting towards the end, he'll play probably one more year, but the best is past him with Pendlebury. What he is now is a good soldier. He, his brain, though, hasn't hasn't died. Mm. He still controls where the players go. He controls the back line, where, who's going back, who's going forward. He has still got all of that in his in his repertoire, and that's great. And Oleg Markov, my God, it was at Richmond, went to the Gold Coast, couldn't get a game at either. Now he's gone to Collingwood. And that silly little moustache he has, which is not a bad moustache, by the way, uh, he's played really well. He gives them a fair bit of run. He, he's better in a one-on-one than you might expect. Um, and he's held his place all season. So, you know, he deserves a spot. Half forwards, Bobby Hill. Can I just mention with Oleg Markov, like, <laughs> he, he is a bloke that, you know, when you're sort of staring a massive crossroad in the face... He's a guy that's just gone, I want this. Yep. I am desperate for this. Yep. And he has done everything in his entire being to put himself in the position that he has. Congratulations, Oleg Markov. He's got himself a new contract. He's playing in a grand final. Yep. That is one of the when stories he got of dumped by me. Gold Coast. Absolutely. Oh. And he's having a great... Imp- I love his style of play. That, that is the, the modern run and gun. He's happy to break lines, but also his decision-making, I've noticed, over the last six weeks, really sort of mature, good decisions under pressure. He does run around a bit like Gumby. He just has that little bit of a look. But he has speed. Body type and, you know, dodgy mole. He's well earned his place. I didn't say he was good looking, Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Half forwards, Bobby Hill. He's been good in the first final. I thought he was best on ground in the first final. Those three early goals he got, terrific. Well done there. Brody Mychek, will it be his on week or off week? He can be hot and cold. I didn't think he did a lot last week. 
the last game. Oh, I love Majacek. Yeah, I do too. I like his honesty. He's, he's an honest guy, mm. and he's a pretty good kick at footy from out distance wise. And has does got he get enough of the ball? One of have you ever noticed his thighs? No. <laughs> well, have a look at them. So he has got don't three you trunks. Oh, they are just beasts of things. <laughs> like just the core strength of the bloke. Unreal. But do notice that tomorrow. He has got a fair set of pegs on him. <laughs> I'll have a look. And then you got, the, of course, the little Ural boy, Jamie Elliott. Um, he's so pleased that he stayed at Collingwood. Oh. Injuries, injuries, injuries he had. He was mm. showed glimpses. Well, it was career done. Yep. Yeah, he was going to go to Brisbane. Yeah. Was ready. He'd been there and had a look, was mm. ready to sign and yep. got talked into staying. And he, uh, uh, the only proviso I have there is the last few weeks he's been a little off, mm. kicking a goal. He gets the ball enough, and he, if he, and when he's, if if you come down to the last moments in a game and you want, I want him kicking for me. If my life depended on, I'd want him kicking for me. Jamie Allen, what a gun! I uh, go full forward. Bo McCreary. Keeps getting a game. I'm not sure why. Hot and cold, hot and cold. Yeah, oh, I'm not well, sure. He's a high-impact player. When he gets going, he's very patchy. Yeah, you that's see, what When I mean. he gets on a roll, he'll have, you know, seven possessions in five minutes. And, and then he'll go walk absolutely about. everywhere and then completely goes mm. missing at times. But high-impact, absolutely. Dugowie won't start at full forward. Dugowie, I, I think Dugowie last week was outstanding. Reminded me oh. of Dusty Martin. He was very dusty in the way he pushed off players. He broke packs. He, he stepped oh, it up. Oh, it was great. And then he couldn't get on. Imagine if he'd got on for the last nine minutes as well. Sat on the bench for nine minutes at the end, trying to get on, but couldn't. Well, that's it. Like, and again, like we were talking about the hard luck stories, the GWS prior to that, but you were sitting at home watching Jordan Degoe, just sitting there, you know, shaking on, his head. <laughs> he just sat back in the end. He like, crossed his in legs the end, and put, he gave the, up, he put the arms back over there and goes, I'm just going to watch this from the comfort <laughs> of my own lounge suite. <laughs> and then you've got Josh Dacos. He'll go up in the wing somewhere. Uh, uh, that, that's a given. Had a good season. Didn't until this year convinced me that he was a, a, a really good footballer, but I think he's had a good season this year. Playing with his brother has given him confidence. He now looks part of a team. I think he's quite entitled to be pl- playing there on the day. No problem whatsoever there. Well, he's averaged 25 possessions this year, Bridge, yep. so I'm glad that you didn't go too hard. No, no, but Josh early in his career, he oh, did, to me, look... There was, that's right, he was in and out. He, yeah. he, he played a little bit of time in the VFL, and it's obviously served him really well to do so. But, yeah, averages 25 touches, goes at about 75 to 80% week in, week out, gets you your four marks, uh, mostly goes by foot, yeah, quality player. Mm-hmm. And what he looked like when he first started is he looked like he was going to be a bit like a Surreoli type, mm. get eight or ten possessions, but kick two or three goals and be really important. Mm. That's how he looked. But now he's changed from that to be now a, a, a genuine run ball, on ball runner that gets plenty of the ball and does plenty with it. So he's certainly improved in mind. He, he's grown an extra leg. Taylor Adams? Uh, not playing. No, 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 he's not. But no. I'm not sure whether or not you heard the news during the week, yeah. but uh, we'll miss. So there's another real Hard tough luck story. Luck yep. story. Go to the Rucks, Mason Cox. It was pretty good last week in the Ruck, I thought. I, I, I thought he did Played well. Played his role. Yeah, he did. And what I liked about him as well, even if he didn't have the ball in his hand, he was able to kick it forward a bit. He did a few things. Went forward and kicked that awesome goal. Mm. Big mark, great goal. Well done, big Mason Cox. This goes, statsman. Didn't want him at the club. 
didn't rate him, didn't think he'd ever turn into anything constructive, and he's now proof that he can. You give him enough time, you give him enough game time, mm. and they become good, and I think he's been great. Well, at full stretch, I mean, Darcy Moore, you probably, you know, we he's closing speed, and, you know, he can play a foot taller than what he actually is, but up against the absolute monster that is Joey Danaher, if they really, you know, struggle and Danaher gets on top, like Cox could potentially be there sitting in front of him, mm. and he has just purely off the back of his size. Just stand there. The, and, that's all he has yeah. to do is stand yeah. there. And a bloke messaged me during the week and said, "Oh, you know, Cox this, Cox that," and I said, "Mate, he's then, seven you, foot yeah, tall." At that time, forget had, about he's this, seven he's fourteen. Seven, he, he's, what is he? Two meters seven fourteen foot one or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's over seven foot tall. Oh, like, monster. <laughs> and hello. then you'd have Darcy Cameron going on the ball mm. at that time. Uh, Jack Crisp, I thought he was really good last week. Last gun. Absolute gun of a player, yeah, yeah. Go to the interchange, Tom Mitchell, Darcy Cameron, Will Hoskin-Elliott, Jack Ginnivan. I don't have a problem with any of those players. I think they're, they're, that's a better interchange than what Brisbane have got. That's saying okay, something. Okay, interesting. And I think believe that Patrick Lipinski will be the sub. He's come back yeah. late in the season and played some good footy. I'd, I'd like to see... John Noble play. I think well, he was better through. last year, Lipinski. Yeah, but he was injured a fair bit this year. He, mm. he carried a fair injury, Cole. Yeah. Yep. So he came back later, as I say. Will Hoskin Elliott's the one for me, a bit of a whipping boy. He is. Uh, in the Just, first final, though, I thought he was great in the oh, first final. Oh, that's it. Like he, I mean, he bobs up. You he's know, another one of those that doesn't get a lot of possession, but does kick you. You almost a guaranteed a goal a game out of him. And he's all he's another one of those players that when people really start to put the magnifying glass on, and you think, okay, let's see how he goes this week. Still just hanging on to his spot, he dominates. He does things, and yeah. then goes missing for another three. So the pressure goes off him. Yep. Anyway. Jack Ginnivan. Well, I think the problem I have with Jack Ginnivan playing on the field is mm -hmm. that he's a quarter player. He plays one quarter where he kick two, three, four goals. He's really good. But then he fades and goes out of the game. So he want to be careful that he doesn't have a fade out early in this match or Lipinski or Noble will come on and take his spot and they'll bench, bench him. When he came on last week as the sub, I thought he brought a lot. He looked a live wire. He brought bring and run and whatever else in that last quarter when they needed a bit of run. He, he brought that. And he I would was have been instrumental yep. in that last quarter in terms of just his pressure around the footy. Yep. And that's something that I've been so impressed with. I would have preferred to have with. left him on the bench. What he does without the ball, Jack Ginevan. Mm. Mm. That's what people don't notice. Yeah. Watching Bridge. Yep. So I'd still prefer him to be the sub and have Lipinski or Noble in the team myself. What do you think of the um, Mac? The uh, the uh, Mac, I was going to say the Mac Rutch up. Oh, goodness gracious me. It has been a very long day. Uh, Oscar, McAnini, Cox, obviously Cameron, uh, you know, will wax on, wax off with Mason Cox and some support there for McAnini. Where's that coming from? Because uh, no Darcy Fort, obviously. No, no. Um, I think Hipwood does a little bit of it. Danaher does it forward. Yeah. I don't think they have a nominated And maybe second. Harris Andrews sort of does chime in a, a little, little bit, bit in down the back. back with the stoppages, yeah, correct? Yeah. Yep. So I don't think they have it. They, they're going with really putting all their eggs in Oscar, Oscar's basket. Oscar's good in the ruck. Yep. He's not great in the ruck. He's good in the ruck. He can go forward and kick a goal or I two. he's had one of the better years. Yeah. My question there is, though, can he take enough marks around the ground, which you know that Cox and that the Darcy, um, Cameron. Darcy Cameron will, they'll mm. take marks around the ground. Mm. They're not great ruckmen either. So the ruck is going to be here or there. 
But Darcy Cameron and Cox do go around the ground and take marks and can go both can go forward. Cox will kick the goal, whereas Cameron doesn't always kick them. But they, that's going to be a very interesting battle. It's at the feet. This is where the game really comes down to. At the feet of the Ruckman. All right? You've got Nick Kakos has been out injured. You've got Jack Crisp. Then, then you've got Tom Mitchell there around the bottom. You go across and look at Brisbane. They're, they're around the bottom of the pack is pretty damn good too. Uh, you know, you've got Lockie Neal, Jared Berry, um, you know, these sort of guys. L- Fletcher can go in there now. That's, that's a real advantage they have. Um, Dunkley, Zorko, these are guys. So it's, it's a terrific matchup. Absolute trick. And I'm, I'm surprised that Brisbane aren't the favourites. And I'll tell you, the reason they're not the favourites is because it's played at the MCG. That puts so much up in the air about Brisbane. Can they come down, win at the MCG, which they've only won one of their last 14 mm. at the MCG, and the one they did win was a final? Yeah. Okay, against Melbourne last year. So th- there's a lot ahead of them. What Brisbane are is let's look at the coaches. I, I think their coach is an outstanding, outstanding coach. After never having played the game, if he wins the grand final, it'll be the only second coach in history that has never played at the top level. You know, uh, that's, that says a lot for, for him. And the way he speaks to his players, yes, he gets up uptight about it. He gets Things are not going right and he gives them a serve. But then when it's not, the other he gives them a pat on the back. He gives them a cuddle. He's got the both going for him. Then you go have across at the Collingwood coach. He's been a relevation, hasn't he? Mm. I, I think Flea, or whatever they call him, you know, McRae has been awesome. Fly, yep. Fly, Flea. <laughs> Same thing. Fly, yeah. He's yes. been awesome. What he's brought. Now, I'm going to state it. Now, I'm on Collingwood. Why? Because I've loved the way they've played footy over the last two years. The enjoyment I've, what I've gained from watching Collingwood games over the last two years has been outstanding. The close games that they give everything they've got, they're never beaten. I absolutely love the way that they are bringing what they've brought to the game. So for me, I'd love to see Collingwood win. Norm Smith ah, and margin. Do you think uh, it's going to be tight? I, I think it's going to be tight. I yeah. think it'll be around that seven or eight points. Collingwood will just get over the line. They love to do that. Who's going to be? I'm, I'm going with Jordan to go again. I thought Dugowie last week showed me that he is fit, committed, and has the game. If he brings that game on the weekend, well, then he's he's right up there. Well, you know, I think that in terms of the best side on paper, as far as my, well, so-called expert opinion is concerned, Brisbane takes the cake uh, you would in think, terms of that. Mm. Just their star power and their... X factor players. That forward line has got full too of them, numerous. Isn't it? Correct. Yeah. That's right. Is you've got, you know, four or five blokes in there that can kick you three goals Cameron, in four Hipwood, minutes. Joe Danaher, Rainer, Bailey. Bailey. Correct. You know, uh, any that's of those. Exactly right. So they start getting on top in the middle and really start pumping that ball and peppering the inside fifties. I think that that's going to be so much for Collingwood to be able to cope with, mm. but. The huge damning stat for me is the ability to win at the MCG. Now, I know statistical information like this can go out the window, but that's a pretty heavy (laughs) one, isn't it? 14. You know, one in your last 14 starts, Mm. 
that to me and is a huge factor. And as you said, like as far as the betting's concerned, uh, you know, Brisbane, Brisbane should be dollar fifty. You would think, yeah, yeah. You know, for, and for, one for, of those games generally genuinely understand the game. Was it the it, last game or the game before they played Melbourne down there, and they were how many goals up on Melbourne, and Melbourne ran over the top of them and beat them in the end. You know that that would have been really hard to get over. However, in saying that, mm. I'm with you, Bridge. I'm all over Collingwood. I think that they're going to win, and I think that it's going to be. A couple of players in the Collingwood forward line that do stand up, I think Bobby Hill, Jamie Elliott, and Jordan DeGoey, I think, is going to have a huge grand final day. But as far as my Norm Smith medal mm-hmm. winner, and tell me whether or not this makes well, sense. You can give me a, thinking, a margin there, by the way. I'm going with three points. Three points, okay. Yep. So I'm sticking with the... Uh, with the, the second um, cue ball? Yeah, I'm, I think he's about right there. I okay, cannot see this. That, but yeah. if Collingwood's to win, they won't blow it out of the water. If Brisbane get on top, and they, they, they could, they be the could potentially. That's yeah, I don't think Collingwood will no, blow it out of the water. I don't. No. I don't. If Collingwood yeah. win, it'll be close. But if Brisbane get really on top, then on they top, could then win it by 10. Correct. That's it. And that is the last thing anybody yeah. wants to say. Well, uh, unless you're a Brisbane supporter, of course, it becomes so a very comfortable and enjoyable afternoon. Who's your Norm Smith? Uh, so, based on my little theory of how things need to play out tomorrow for Collingwood to win... Someone needs to be huge tomorrow down back. And who do you think that man's going to be, Bridge? Darcy Moore. Correct. He's my Norm Smith. What a great leader. Uh, Just, you know, so impressed with how he presents himself as a person. I don't know what goes on, like, in his life outside of football, and there's probably some question marks that... Whether or not that's re- who, absolutely no relevance whatsoever. But in terms of just his leadership uh, at the footy club and just as an AFL, when, when he speaks, his his mannerism is oh, hu- humble, unbelievable. Yeah. He, he is an out and out star, and his closing speed, his ability to spoil, uh, his decision making under pressure. Uh, is carrying a bit of an injury. Is carrying a little bit of an injury. But I think in the if hand. you wanted some value, he could definitely be one. Uh, and I'm going to tip him for the Norm Smith. But I'll have a little bit of a saver and I'll go with Jordan Degoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's what I think I'm at. So I'm, th- I'm thinking Collingwood in, in a you know six, seven points. That's my margin there. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if Brisbane got over the line. I, I just they, they look at home, they look a different team. But what they have done this year is they have won away. They won in Western Australia. They won in Sydney. They won in Melbourne. They beat St. Cedar, whatever. You know, they have won away. They've won in Adelaide. So have they taken that extra step? Have they learnt from the last two or three years where they've been at preliminary final stage and fallen by the wayside? I think they have. They're going to be very dangerous, very dangerous on the day. Bridge, it's been an absolute pleasure to come in and just chime in and help out for the grand final show. Hopefully, uh, I've acquitted myself half decently this evening. I, I, I wasn't expecting a great deal. Did but By the way, everybody, last weekend, the GVFL grand final was awesome. The commentary was great. I loved it. Loved the day. You know, Kai came at him. We're in 100 half time. And then Echuca stamped themselves. But the radio broadcast was terrific. Everyone that I was, you know, absolutely loved it. So well done to you guys. Thanks, Heaps Bridge. Yeah, we love doing it. 
as well. We've got some plenty of music lined up right up until midnight. Of course, uh, don't forget tomorrow morning breakfast with Dave Taylor and then the stats man for Super Saturday Sport Grand Final Edition. And then, of course, our coverage of the AFL Grand Final tomorrow afternoon with the AFL Indigenous Broadcast. Barry Denner. One of arguably the best callers in the land, shoulder to shoulder with Ronnie Rogers, Andy Cracker, and our very own local boy, Chris Egan. Good luck with the call tomorrow. Uh, Chrissy uh, will bring you the grand final live right across the Golden Valley on 98.5. So if you're watching it, enjoy the day tomorrow. Please, if you're out driving, uh, make sure that you've got a designated driver. If you are going to have a drink, have a safe weekend. Enjoy it. Best of luck especially to all you Collingwood supporters. Go Pies. I cannot believe I just said that. It actually hurt saying it, but there you go. Uh, and look, to the Brisbane supporters, best of luck to you as well. Mark, um, I'm Brisbane more than happy to. Rings yes, every week. Ducks, he guts, is, yes. He does. He doesn't all over think it. they get a fair advantage with umpires, though. He thinks I'm they get sure hard I done understand. by. <laughs> okay, I don't understand, and that might just be Siri telling us to wind things up here on the AFL opening bounce. Thank you to Statsman and to Jason Aspland also who've absolutely deserved their night off for their just unwavering support and ability to get in here. Rain, hail or shine through the cold, hard, dark Friday nights that we cop in the middle of June and July. And I just float on in here and do all of the glory uh, during the grand final program. But uh, I'll tell you what, I've done a fair bit to get here tonight too, Bridge, so I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, on that note, another huge thank you to Joshy Revens, uh, who will shine through over the next four hours on 1FM live and local. Have a great weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Good old Collingwood forever. They know how to play the game. Side by side we stick together to uphold the magpie's name. Barrackers are shouting as all barrackers should. All the premierships are cakewalk for the good old Collingwood.
Vasantina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Patentina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.